In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker... Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You can get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and Politics. Ooh, yet another day there's not much to laugh about because today we're going to talk about guns. We're going to talk all about guns today, which I never thought I'd say. It has been a minute. It has been a minute, which made me think my first uh, thought, have either of you ever shot a gun? No. No. Neither of you. I have. I hated it. It was terrible. I would shoot a gun at a gun range where they belong. Good point. Good point. (laughs) But I don't really... Have an interest. I mean, Danny's gone hunting and stuff growing up in Wisconsin. Like, that was part of his life. And, like, his cousins still go hunting for, like, deer and, like, that kind of stuff. You should take Rusty. (laughs) Brooklyn takes (laughs) Wisconsin Wisconsin hunting season. No. Rusty, Rusty is too excitable. Definitely, definitely. I did once at a shooting range and I hated it and I alarmed everyone around me because I'm just, I'm like very clumsy in general. And so this is, the listeners can't see me, but like as I was pointing my gun, my dad was, the gun, my dad was sort of telling me like what to do. And I would look at him and move my whole body towards him, including the gun. (laughs) And every time he's like, that's literally what, like I've never seen that look on my father's face and I've like never forgotten it. Exactly. Number one rule of gun safety is do not move your upper torso while the gun is in it. So I hated it. I don't feel safe around them. Love throwing an axe, though. And I'm really good at it. Love Ooh. throwing an axe. Wow. The axe throwing feels legit. I, I've i been drawn towards that. That's definitely definitely an interest. We should I go. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, that was definitely on our date list for sure in the before times. Mm. Um. Yeah, but my yeah. my significant other has been to a gun range, and you know he says like it's kind of he says that he had fun with it, but he probably wouldn't like do that regularly. We want one in the house or anything like that. He was like it belongs at the range. You go there, you do that, and it's not something that he like seeks out. Mm-hmm. He's like if it happens, it happens, and well, I'll shoot, but otherwise, I, who needs that? Yeah, exactly. Agreed. I definitely wish that was a. Uh... The perspective of more people. I really like that approach, at least. Like, don't discriminate against the gun, the shootings. Just do it where it's allowed. Just do it where it's yeah. appropriate. <laughs> Just go there. Just Should go where you're expecting to do it. Fuck guns. No. Guns are appropriate in confined locations and in wars, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, might be happening anytime any moment now. now. So. Any moment now. Oh, have you guys, like, people have... Trust me, we know Ukraine is happening. I just don't have much expertise to add, but I am finding it very like I'm I keep thinking about the Ukrainians in the area where the invasion might happen in terms of like a potential climate crisis because when you talk to them, when reporters talk to them, they're like 
And reporters are like, why aren't you guys going anywhere? They're like, where are we going to go? We don't have any yeah. to go anywhere. Why are you, what are you talking about? And everyone's like, how come they're not worried? What are they doing? And they're like, well, this happens all the time. But also, where, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's very interesting that, like, I mean, it's been, like, 80-plus years since there was last a major war in Europe. So maybe that's the reason why people are asking ridiculous questions. Like, where are you? Why haven't you fled yet? Like, mm-hmm. bitch, where are Who we going? Where? <laughs> Who where? To where? It's still a <laughs> pandemic. We can't go to another planet. What's what's the plan here? If we flee to another country, that's that's exactly the indication for the army to chase us. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of it's kind of like a weird like red light green light situation where you just got to stay in place, you yeah. know, while they're looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> I will be taking my geopolitical analysis strictly from like working class Ukrainians, because they know what's up. They know what's really going on. So for our topics today, we're going to talk about a couple of lawsuits involving guns. And I, I thought this was kind of an interesting addition to our conversation yesterday when we were talking about, you know, the Russia doping and deterrence and how deterrence are supposed to work and when they are most effective and why certain, you know, things are worth pursuing for their own sake. So we're going to start with the uh, family members of those killed in the Sandy Hook massacre. They're going to get a historic settlement from the gun manufacturer, Remington. The settlement comes more than seven years after the families filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the company that manufactures the Bushmaster AR-15 style rifle, which killed 20 children and six adults in Newtown, Connecticut. The gun maker is going to pay $73 million to families of nine Sandy Hook shooting victims. 20 of those victims should be teenagers now. I heard one of the parents say that, you know, all she really wants is a 15-year-old son. And um, I found that very jarring that it has been that long. And, you know, kids grow up fast and and all these kids should be teenagers right now. And their parents have been, you know, fighting this fight since then. This lawsuit is unique. And it has to be because it's incredibly difficult to hold gun companies accountable for deaths that result from their products. The Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act – was enacted in 2005 under President George W. Bush, and that shielded manufacturers from being held liable for mass shootings. But this case, yeah, really cool. That just sounds like a horror show. Protection of lawful commerce in arms. Anything in arms, I'm not thrilled about. That's such a Bush era. Like, like, Donald Trump was so shiny bad that we forget how, like, just really, truly terrible the Bush administration was and how many things they passed that were, like, deeply harmful or let go away that are deeply harmful. And this is an example of Yeah, I think every time another like cute headline goes viral about him, which I, they definitely can be tempted, but like of him doing another cute photograph of a pet, we should pair it with something insane that happened during his administration. Like the Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. (laughs) Yeah. So this is so far, as I said, shielded manufacturers from really being held liable financially for these mass shootings. But this case leaned on something else. It leaned on Remington's irresponsible marketing strategy and a specific Connecticut consumer law against unfair practices. Lawyers successfully argued that Remington marketed the guns in violation of that law. The lawsuits have also made public thousands of pages of damning internal documents from Remington that plaintiffs say point to employees intentionally marketing to young men and playing to their insecure senses of masculinity and just how this gun could make them tougher. We've seen this before. The plaintiffs say with this goal, their main goal with this wasn't to make the money, but they want to make Remington and all gun manufacturers like riskier investments, riskier bets. They want to make them harder to insure, kind of like how your rate goes up when you get into a car accident that's your fault. Like 
you should you should have to pay more and force exposure of those internal documents. Just having those out in the open should hopefully pretty be pretty damning for this company that has already filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection twice in two years. I'm kind of like, why do bad, I don't know enough about business, but I'm like, how come bad businesses get to still business? What's going on? Anyway, questions remain about whether this case provides a path for more cases against gun manufacturers or if it's an outlier. President Biden kind of remarked on that, and he urged families of other victims to pursue their legal fights regardless. So I'm curious what you what you all think the value of this outcome provides, even if it can't be replicated, or you think it can be replicated. What, where, do, How does this move the needle, do you think, Elise? Well, I think that, unfortunately, often the way that justice is served in the American system is that you have to sue people for monetary damages. That is how we handle a lot of stuff that we don't regulate. Our system, I think it was maybe the Throughline podcast on NPR that was talking about this, but our system is built for us to use lawsuits mm-hmm. to correct bad corporate behavior so opposedly like that's not it doesn't actually end right. up happening that way because going back to the bush administration they actually propagated this false notion that it was too easy to sue corporations and then passed a bunch of legislation to make it a lot harder even though that's actually absurd so <laughs> like and they made mm-hmm. everybody believe that even though it's false so In the sense that, like, this is the way that you can get justice against a corporation in our kind of fucked up roundabout way, I think this is good, but it just, I don't know, it always rings to me hollow where it's like, why is the only way we can move the needle on anything just suing people and we can never actually, like, pass legislation or get around, like, like, do the actual things that need to be done? Yeah, I can't stop thinking about how, you know, there's the the like tweet or the the condensed sentence which is like the gun control debate ended in this country when Sandy Hook happened and we did nothing. Like it was literally like if you had to sit down and there was a writer who was like, "Okay, this is going to make America change." Like it would have been murdering kindergartners and it didn't happen. And yeah. so to some degree, like I'm, I'm like happy for the strategy that it worked out, which is a depraved thing to say, but uh, it's kind of like, that's the best we can hope for. So like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> but like on the other hand, but they, they get, they like get wins from these, you know, strategies and work around all the time. So whenever I see like novel strategy, I'm like, great, play their game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but on the other hand, like, I'm not super excited about the president of the United States saying, like, oh, well, this is the way you should go forward. Like, go ahead. This is this is what we're going to do because I can't pass gun control legislation because I can't get any kind of justice for you. I because and then the other thing is replicating this is going to be super hard. I mean, we're talking about many victims of gun violence we're talking about a lot of um suicides make up the largest chunk um of of uh gun violence deaths um you know spree and mass shootings are not super common uh relatively i mean in other countries they don't happen at all because they don't have guns anyway 
But the the fundamental problem is like you're not going to be able to sue them into oblivion. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, this strategy and it's also expensive. It's expensive and time consuming. And you have to have somebody who's willing to like put in these hours to fight this fight against this huge organization. I just think it's it's not the the long term strategy that we need in order to lose all this problem. Yeah, I think. And in these cases, in another case we're about to talk about, they both involve the death of a family member, which I imagine can motivate you for seven years. But like, if I imagine if it's like anything less than that to have to keep pushing and keep going. And we talked about Virginia Dufresne yesterday and how many oppor- – like the opportunity costs of her having to pursue that. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely like a double-edged uh, sword. Well, I don't want to reference weapons at all. <laughs> it's, it's like – it feels like kind of like a – cool to beat them at their own game but also it shouldn't we shouldn't have to play the game there should be laws it should be obvious that you can't uh you can't just create deadly weapons and market them and market them however you want it's the marketing that really gets me like oh sick, now you, right? like Ugh. because it's about like okay you need to to buy this thing in order to fulfill this aspect of your life and like guns are for killing things like they're People are like, oh, they're tools and they don't necessarily kill. It's like, no, but they're just built for that. Like, this has been true since the 16th century. Like, when, when were guns ever for something not killing? Like, they that's what they are. Do you, you remember know? a couple weeks ago there was a shooting at the University of Heidelberg in Germany, which I actually attended for six months, and it got international attention for a couple days. It was – I one person tragically died international attention and and that if that happens in the u.s it might it might reach a mainstream outlet but they're not going to promote they're not going to tweet about it it's they'll they'll have they'll have you know they'll have a dateline and a couple paragraphs about it and um yeah we just carry on like this is like this is normal but it's completely it's it's, it's a crisis obviously Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
and you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So we're going to stay on theme here in terms of families filing lawsuits to demand financial consequences for irresponsibility. Irresponsibility is a variety of types. The family of Helena Hutchins filed a wrongful death suit in New Mexico against Alec Baldwin and, quote, others responsible for the safety on set and whose reckless behavior led to her senseless and tragic death. So there have been quite a few lawsuits related to her death, but this is actually the first one coming directly from her family. They have been working on this since November. The late 42-year-old is, of course, survived by her husband, and she has a nine-year-old son. As a reminder, on October 21st, Alec Baldwin discharged a prop gun that had been improperly loaded with live ammunition. The bullet he fired killed Helena Hutchins. But obviously, this isn't a criminal case. Um, I'm not sure if the police department has said they're not going to do criminal charges or they just haven't yet, but that's not what this is. Instead, the family sued almost everybody involved in, in making the movie and, and greenlighting it, the producers and the corporations. Baldwin is a producer, and the suit says that he held the majority of the blame as the person holding the gun. The suit has a ton of damning information of what happened leading up to this, including texts among crew expressing concern for their safety, reports of earlier accidental discharges on set, and just complete disregard for industry standards. Two specific ones here, it was against industry standard for Baldwin to even point a real revolver towards the camera to line up the shot. Whether it was, it wasn't supposed to be loaded, but whether it is or not, like like I did at the beginning of the podcast, like it just seems like you can do that with, with your hands or something fake. I obviously am not a professional. Another one, the armorer wasn't in the room when the first assistant director handed Baldwin the gun. These just seem like very basic things to check off a to-do list. After news of this lawsuit broke, Alec Baldwin posted a video to Instagram of a sign that reads, everything is going to be all right. Not the vibe, man. No, I think just stay off Insta, my friend. I think he and his wife should probably stay off Insta. Yeah. (laughs) Well. It's just, it's kind of embarrassing because it's like, he's he's basically getting away with murder kind of sort of that there are no criminal charges going on here like you should just stay under the radar man perhaps and not remind people (laughs) that like maybe you're kind of responsible for a person dying like just i would myself would not let people know that (laughs) totally i i just really feel like getting sued having to pay some kind of financial damage or something like that's more than appropriate for Alec Baldwin in this moment. And, you know, I don't think that he is a murderer. I think he very much wishes he did not discharge that prop gun. But I was saying this to Amanda earlier today. He's a sometimes A-list actor, depending on his recent projects and what he's been up (laughs) to. He dabbles in the A-list, certainly. He's appeared at all the award shows. This is someone who knows what a properly run set is supposed to look like. 
And this is someone who, I mean, I'm not, I can't pull up his entire filmography, but I'm sure has worked with guns or weapons or ammunition or whatever, stunts, all that stuff. I'm. He's been on sets that are at the highest level of operation, so there's no reason for a set that's under his charge to be run this poorly. And while there's definitely places to blame in a, in to a bunch of different people, and again, I don't think that he's like a capital M murderer who viciously killed someone. He's gonna he does bear responsibility for running a set that led to the tragic death of someone and people do face consequences for accidentally killing people as well. Like it's it's not the same as purposefully killing yeah. someone, but it's still quite bad to accidentally kill someone. And as sorry as he is and I do think he's genuinely sorry, it's not acceptable for him to have been on a set where that was going on and either one not care or two be just oblivious to the fact that his set was being run so poorly. I even said to Amanda, it kind of reminds me of the Travis Scott stuff where it's like, you're in charge of what's going on here. You're at the top of the call sheet. You're the head producer on this. Like you need to be engaged with what's happening on the ground. Yeah. It's the entire thing is just comes down to the sense of taking shortcuts and feeling like a certain amount of impunity like it's never going to come back on me. Like it's it it's a level of recklessness that's like okay, well, even if something does go wrong, it's not my problem and it's not my fault. And that kind of mentality is, I mean, it's bred by a lot of entitlement. Like if you get away with a lot of shit, like then all of a sudden it's very easy for you to say, okay, well, I guess that this one's not going to come back on me either. But it, when you're, especially when you're talking about Alec Baldwin, get away with shit. <laughs> what? My wife pretends to be Spanish. <laughs> Remember when he screamed at his daughter on the phone or something? Oh, and called her like a little pig or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, he's got a lot of history of being not great. <laughs> right. It's like you said, Elisa, as you've both gotten it, it's like he's not a murderer, but all of this tracks with everything we know about him that he would just, I don't know, but he also. Maybe that's not accurate or fair, but like you said, he had a responsibility. He knows what a good set looks like. Like, yeah, yeah. Suing for for justice, though, it's just it continues to just leave this bad taste in my mouth. Where it's like, okay, but is anyone learning anything? Like, is this going to stop the next one? Is this like, are we creating environments where this can't happen again? Or are we just, yeah. like, making people pay a nominal fee to, like, I don't know, accidentally murder your loved ones? Yeah, I, that's, I think that's what I'm thinking about, too. It's like, I really want to believe that these lawsuits obviously bring healing and are important, but it just feels like the system is so rigged in their favor that, like, how is this – How is I, I admit I don't know how business works that well, but it's like, how the fuck is a company that's now twice bankrupt even, like, why does it have people fighting for it? Like, the, the incentives – there are plenty of of gun manufacturers who they're just going to start creating funds for this and they're just going to you know they're going to they're just going to create new revenue streams and they're just going to have to incorporate this into their business i i don't think it's like they're just capitalists they're just going to make frank you know assessments based on okay if we're going to sell more guns by saying guns make you a man uh, and we're going to make more money from that than we're going to lose from a lawsuit they're going to keep they're going to keep doing that so 
Yeah, I definitely had the same thought today. Yeah, and it just feels like there's something so bleak about like the highest form of justice we can offer to people just being really big, large chunks of money. Not to say that these people don't want or need the money or deserve the money, but it's just there, there's something so bleak about that to me where it it rings so hollow. It's just like, how much cash can we give you to feel better? And it's like, there's never going to be enough cash. Yeah, and it just, it just seems like with that option, it seems like people don't work hard enough to pursue, to use the actual justice system, like the criminal justice system to get, to get justice. Um, because obviously, like whenever... Whenever something tragic happens to somebody, there are well-intentioned people and there are ambulance chasers. And so, like, of course, if something terrible happens and maybe not as – it happens all the time. It happens all the time and we're not hearing about it. And somebody approaches you and it's like, well, you could you could try to put this person in prison, but they're also rich. So you could also just try to, you know, not have to work for a couple years and get that taken care of. And those are impossible trade-offs for a lot of people. But it is gross. Yeah, because it's also like there is just always a power imbalance between the people who are suing and the people being sued because nine times out of ten, the people being sued, these corporations, it's like they just hand this off to someone in a department and that person doesn't think about it. Whereas the person who's actually suing that it becomes the nexus of their entire life and they have to spend every single day thinking about it. And it really like. Again, we were talking about Virginia Jufri yesterday, and I just think I totally understand if she's spent having to deal with taking a royal prince to court. I can't even (laughs) I can't even imagine like it. I I mean, my parents, we sued a corporation when I was a kid and my parents have and we won, but we had they have nothing but terrible things to say about the experience. They say it was 100 percent not worth it, even though we technically did win. They were just like, never sue Mm -hmm. anyone. It was horrible. They were psychologically traumatized by going through it. It's it's really a tall order from the person who's doing the suing. And oftentimes this other person, uh, the person on the other side is so powerful, they can just hand it off, delegate it to someone else, and they don't even have to think about it. I think that's also like a big driver of like the litigious nature of American society and like how it's set up is that so many of the people for whom suing is like, yeah, this is what we do. Um, I don't know what I was watching recently. Oh, I was watching this thing about how terrible 432 Park is. But um, oh, <laughs> but basically, this developer, this developer, like, got really mad once at Martha Stewart for like possibly removing 15 trees at her Hamptons house. So he sued her. And like, these are people for whom like a lawsuit is just like what you do when you're annoyed. So yeah. he's got that in his back pocket. It's not like oh, uh, that's going to take up his whole life or whatever. He hands it off to lawyers he tells them to fuck up martha stewart's life a bit you know like exactly yeah and then they all they just like communicate between lawyers they're basically like like countries entities unto themselves so they don't feel any personal stakes so that's why they say like oh you should just sue that'll make you whole because they've never been in a situation where like money couldn't fix the hole in whatever they they had but it also doesn't require any effort from them like they have people on retainer just to sue people whenever they get annoyed about, like, trees on their right. Hampton property. Like, like right. imagine suing over that. It's, like, the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, these are parents who, like, had to sue to get, like, 
even a modicum of responsibility for the fact that someone murdered their children. And then there's like this other guy who's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't like the way yeah. you treated your property lines. So I'm going to sue you. Right. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, these are effective to the extent that they get something for families. They they get some and some things get sunlight, but they do not serve often as a deterrent because there's just the threat of losing large amounts of money. If it if if the money is limitless, then that then that doesn't matter. I want to keep talking about guns for a bit. Elise, mm-hmm. the movie star among us, why are there even real guns on sets? This seems insane. Uh, that is actually a question that I have. And it seems, I mean, the sense that I'm getting is that the industry is changing a lot. And that after this happened, a bunch of different like production companies or powerful individuals came forward and were like, we won't use real guns on set. How would you feel if you went to do like a part and they were like, by the way, there are like 40 loaded guns on set. I would be terrified. I would be, I would be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as of right now, I'm not doing high level stunts. Uh, of any kind. You could be in a Western. You never know. You yeah. never know. But yeah, I mean, it it really genuinely surprised me that it would just be a real gun because it seems like at this point with what we can do with CGI and props and whatnot, mm-hmm. there's no need for there to be a real gun. I do think that sometimes film people, artsy people get in this headspace of like, we want it to be so realistic that it's a real gun. But it's yeah. like, that's the exact type of thing probably that this lawsuit is talking about. Look at your priorities. Is anyone or is the one person who might notice that it's not a real gun because of some idiosyncratic thing that appears in one shot? Mm-hmm. Is that person worth the fact that this woman died because there was a real live loaded gun on set? The other crazy thing to me is just that it, why would it ever be loaded? Exactly. That, is, that I was thinking that today. Movie. I I was thinking that today. I mean, I don't know if because there were all separate scenes where they were being shot for the movie, but it seems like you got those have to be totally different guns. Come on. That's got to be because the people that do this right have do it have so many steps and like mm-hmm. that's the point. There's a reason why there's a trillion steps. There's a reasons why before every time you go up in an airplane, that pilot has done a checklist of like 55 things. To make yes. sure that you're safe. Anything dangerous, you have – it's just an uh, – that's my main question too. I think when this first yeah. happened, I agree. It's like Alex Baldwin probably isn't a murderer, but it's become increasingly clear. When this first happened, it felt like, oh my God, freak accident. Seems like not much could have been done to prevent this. And obviously the months have gone by and there is so much that could have been done to prevent this. And this was completely, completely senseless and there's so many reasons not to, to carry on like this anymore. So we know that guns don't belong on movie sets. We're good there. But the, Caitlin, we wanted to sort of also touch on today how the like accessibility and saturation of guns has impacted how progressive DAs have planned to approach criminal justice. Do you think that um, this has kind of like gotten the way of their plans or changed their calculus as they feel like these are elected positions, so they need to respond to the community? How do you think this has complicated their goals? Yeah, I think like all of this is just sitting underneath like what we've been because there's been a spike in gun violence um, and violence in general due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, especially in the wake of 2020 and the George Floyd protests, there was a, a, a strong like voice where it's like, we got to change. Like, we can't continue to do these same things. Like, we need to dismantle all this stuff. And it's like, cool, we had that for a moment and now that moment's over. Um, 
And, and a lot of the interests that want to maintain law and order, as it were, are like coming back and saying like, well, we can't have that. You can't go to, to this new way of thinking because it's putting us all in danger. And I can't stop thinking about how like we've told people who have lost people to gun violence that in these random explosive acts of gun violence that don't make any sense. Like, it's not like, you know, they were in a war zone or they died at a shooting range. Like if something goes wrong there, like those are places where you'd expect a shooting, but there are grocery stores and movie theaters and kindergarten classrooms where you should not expect and movie sets where you should not expect to be shot. You just shouldn't. And all we have to answer to them is, Oh, you know, go sue them. <laughs> and so like the DAs of this world are here now saying like, oh, we have to get tough. And it's like, there's a bigger problem very obviously than whether or not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we we pull back intense sentencing for low level problems because yeah. none of these people, none of the situations that we talked about today would have been solved by a hardcore DA. None of these things would have been solved if they had been jailing people for littering. Like none of that would have saved a single life. It is the proliferation of guns. And we're just not talking about that. Instead being like, well, let's try to fix the problem by just like getting like super police, like creating even larger police states. And it's like, what about when the police are the people shooting people? What if when they have the guns? Yeah, I just keep thinking about the opioid epidemic and how these corporations are sort of like, once the product we make is out into the world, it's like out of our hands. And you know you know, these manufacturers, like, they probably, they love that their guns end up on the streets with the, you know, code scratched off. And it's just probably ultimately helpful to them. They have, they feel no responsibility or obligation to monitor or control their product afterwards. And yeah, it, it sounds like, it sounds like, We've seen in the past, like, something will happen, like a school shooting or something, and then in big cities, suddenly you'll hear, like, well, we made all, look at all these guns we seized. And it's like, okay, you seized all these guns, but this school shooting from this area of the city, but this school shooting was by a young white kid who had never done this before and who got a gun two days ago. So, like, that's not not necessarily – for some naive observers, that might convince them, but it's doing nothing, nothing for the problem. It's making it worse. Yeah. And the flow of guns into like New York City and California, like where, where the two biggest, I would say, most notable progressive DAs are right now, mm-hmm. um, Alvin Bragg and Chesa Budin, are both right now under attack being like, hey, you offered bail reform. Like bail reform is the reason that guns from Virginia keep coming into New York. People, that is not the reason (laughs) we have the spike in gun violence. Number one, we have a society that's still devolving because of COVID. So underlying problems, people get desperate. When people get desperate, they get, we're willing to do crazy shit that they would not be willing to do. Sometimes you get intersections with people who have untreated mental illness, which we basically all have now. We're all just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, there's a literal study on that. If you listen up first this morning, they were like, the last third of the show was a study about how young people are not okay, and we're all sad. (laughs) 
Like, seriously, like, anyone who's like, oh, it's mental illness. It's like, y'all, we all at this point. We're all (laughs) maladjusted. I I don't know where you are in season seven of the pandemic, but I personally am walking around with undertreated mental illness. Yeah, yeah. My my character is unhinged this season. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Her storyline's not making any sense. Yes, all over the place. She's not in every episode. You never know. People are still walking around with bingo cards. I don't even know what's on these things because oh, nothing Jesus. ever I seems know. to be That's on true. Them. You know, like, that's how I feel right now. And so when people, you can't mix that into a society and then leave this widely available set of infinite violence mm-hmm. <laughs> like a gun and then expect everything to work out. Like, and then you can't say like, okay, well, any effort that's not the traditional effort to limit gun violence, which don't work, which we know because people keep dying. Like none of the traditional policing is working, but we're going to just do more of it. And that maybe that's what we need a new threshold. It's like, we're just, are we, is this the plan to just become a police state? I don't know what the plan is, but it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people might have answers for you on whether the plan is to be in a police state and they, police state and they won't be now. Uh, thank you guys. We will be back tomorrow. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.